Welcome to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. If you're ready for inspiration and tips to improve your life, hear what some of the fascinating minds of today have to say. Our hope is that you'll live your passion and inspire the world. And now, here is your host, Allison H. Larson. Rodriguez, Rochelle, glad to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. It's such a wonderful time. And if you've listened at all to the show recently, you've probably heard Rochelle on there. Um, she has has been my unofficial official co-host <laughs> for the past few shows. Uh, she lives here in Phoenix, Arizona, and just has some a plethora of knowledge. And I lo- always love hearing your insights, too. So welcome today, Rochelle, to the show. Thank you so much. And today, joining mm. us as our guest, we have on the phone Kathy Hollingsworth. And Kathy... Uh, you do something that's uh, pretty unique. You help uh, women to redesign their life. You are actually a life redesigner. Is that correct? That's right, Allison. Well, I'm super excited to have you on. And of course, today's topic for our show is going to be focused on generational patterns and and being able to recognize negative or those generational patterns that aren't serving us, to be able to redefine our lives, redefine those generational patterns, and really to to design and live the life that we want. So, Kathy, I want to give you an opportunity to brag about yourself a little bit. I know you're doing some pretty amazing things out there. So, uh, brag away. You have my full permission. Thank you, Allison. So I have been tremendously blessed in my life and career to have worked with thousands of clients and students over the past five years, just really helping them to improve their health, their energy, their vitality. I have um, been able to design hundreds of programs to help people move forward in their life. I've also had the honor of facilitating hundreds of individual and group breakthrough sessions Um, I've been able to create luxury retreat experiences for my students and clients, and I've also been extremely blessed to have the support and encouragement of my biggest fans, my husband, my children, who are my greatest teachers, and are continuously pulling me forward to step into the highest version of myself. I love that. Now, now you have quite a few, uh, you have quite a few children, don't you? I do. I have six children. I have four adopted children, and I have two stepchildren. So I have six six babies. Oh, my gosh. Well, you are definitely a courageous woman, um, (laughs) and it sounds like you've had some amazing accomplishments uh, throughout your life. Tell me, how did you get into all of this? Because I know you're helping women. uh, You're teaching them how to to redesign their life and really step into and live the life they want, uh, clearing some of those old generational habits or patterns. But um, why are you doing this? And how did you get into it? Yeah, so I like to call this my big MOFA, my motivating factor. And this is what drives me to do the work I do. I'm just about to turn 50. And already, it seems like in this short life, I've experienced so much loss in my life. Mm -hmm. I have lost both of my parents way too soon. My dad in his early 40s, when he passed away suddenly from a heart attack, I was just three years old. My mom left us um, in her late 60s, suffering for years with COPD. I've lost numerous pregnancies, and also my first husband was only 40 years old when he passed away. So after my mom and my husband passed away within a year of each other, I was, of course, so grief-stricken and overwhelmed. I was stressed out. I was anxiety-ridden. Wow, yeah. I can only imagine. I was barely able to get myself out of bed. Hmm? said I can only imagine that would be horrible yeah I, it was it was it was not a good time in my life so I was barely able to get out of bed 
and much less take care of my four young children mm-hmm. who were also really grieving and confused. Um, I couldn't get through a day without sobbing. I was prescribed antidepressants, anti-anxiety pills, you name it. And it did for a while help me. I was able to get out of bed and fully begin to function again. But after a while, I just was kind of going through the motions of my life. I was feeling really just blah. I had no more tears. And I was just going through the motions of my life. This is when I knew that this was not the life I wanted or the life I deserved or that my children deserved. Yeah, you know, I I can totally relate to that. I I remember not too long ago, a couple years ago, um, you know, waking up one day and thinking like, I don't even want to live anymore. And it was so, you know, I'd gotten into such a bad place in my life. And I thought, gosh, you know, how did how did I even get here? How did I even get to this point where I'm living my life? I feel like I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do. I have this beautiful family and all these things that I felt like um, I should be thankful for. And yet I was so depressed and so sad and I thought how did it how did I even get here so I can totally relate have you ever been there in your life before Rochelle? oh absolutely yeah so I, I mean Many I think times. we can probably all relate to what you're talking about just that that moment where you're like okay this this sucks <laughs> this is not the life I want to yeah. live so what did you end up doing about it what was your what led you on the path yeah, to what you're doing so, now? so this was the first time that I had that realization or that thought do I really have a choice here mm-hmm and from that point on, I just began to intentionally wake up every day with gratitude in my heart. I began practicing yoga and meditation. I became obsessed with learning about genetics and epigenetics, um, learning about healthy movement, healthy eating, and healthy living. And it became crystal clear to me that, yes, I do have a choice here. And today I feel better than ever. I have an abundance of energy. I have more confidence. I'm living in total alignment. My relationship with myself and my husband and children mm-hmm. has dramatically improved. I feel like I'm finally living on purpose in every way and every day. I love and this that. this is why I do the work that I do. This I l- is my purpose and this is my passion. I love that idea of living on purpose. And um, it's so... so I mean, this is such a, wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm just listening to you and I'm thinking I can, I can so relate to, um, you know, feeling that, that moment when I realized, okay, I have a choice here. I have a choice to continue living the life, you know, when I was in that moment of hope and discouragement. I have the choice to continue living life the way that I'm living it and not even wanting to live. Who knows how long I'm going to live or making some changes and making adjustments and making some shifts uh, to really live the life that I want to live and, and redesign that. Um, wh- but but in that moment, it's really hard. I remember thinking in the moment, what do I even do? How do I even move forward? And I know you're going to share some tips with us um, coming up in a little bit on how to do that. But, but what would you say to somebody who is in that moment of despair and discouragement, uh, struggling with the motivation to even want to, to live or move forward? Or maybe just even that person who's looking at their life thinking, this is not the life that I had in mind that I wanted to live. What would you say to them? Yeah, that that they actually do have a choice, and they are worth it. And just to take one step, whatever that is for that day, just one small thing. One thing I really love to tell my clients is small hinges swing big doors. So just start taking the steps. 
Yeah, like one step at a time. I love that. And um, one of the things that I want to point out and bring up is this idea, as you're talking of of lifestyle choice and um, lifestyle by design and business by design. And and I love that that idea. And today, you know, I really learned and was able to do that and chose the life I wanted. And today, every morning I wake up and I'm like, oh, I love my life. <laughs> it's awesome. So I, I don't know, Rochelle, do you have any yeah. thoughts on that? There's always a better way. Absolutely. Talking about generational, I, my mom, bless her heart, she had, um, she just had a really, really hard life and she had a lot of negative around her. Mm -hmm. And she was always breeding that down and saying, you know, everything is hard. Everything is hard. It's so hard to do this. It's so hard to do that. And I'm like, finally, I just like one day I snapped. I'm like, it doesn't have to be hard. Like, no, this isn't right. And just like as I was raised, you know, a certain way in religion, learning like other ways that I also believe. And mm -hmm. it, ha it doesn't have to be a certain way. It can be better. And so I kind of am breaking that. I broke that mold mm -hmm. and just learning that, you know, there, there's always something better. There's always something out there. And there's a spiritual warfare going on. And you don't have to live in that negative vibe. Get out of it. And even if your circle is really small, that's better than having a big fake you know, circle. Yeah. So I think that it's really important knowing that, yeah, one step, one step. It's that book, The Slight Edge. You know, if you do one little thing each day, that over time amounts to a big thing. Yeah. You know, you're either moving forward or, or you're not. Well, I, I definitely agree. And you bring up, you know, generational patterns. And mm -hmm. Kathy, I wanted to talk to you about this a little bit, too, because I think partly as we are taught, and I love that you brought up, you were taught, like, life's supposed to be hard and, and it, you know, it's a struggle. And it, it was so funny because the other day, and Kathy, I was like, all throughout this week, I'm like noticing these little personal things. Now you're going to be on the show. I'm like, oh, what can what can Kathy help me with? But one of the things I noticed was um, I'm currently in a relationship that's amazing and and I am blessed, and he spoils me. Well, it's see here I even use the term <laughs> in too. every way. So like he he is really amazing <laughs> to me. But um, I I was talking with my mom, and he was there on the phone the other day. I'm telling her about you know something he'd done for me, and she's like, oh yeah, he just spoils you. He spoils you so much. And it was so interesting. That's normal though. The, you should be. Well, but it's interesting because the not next like a bad term. Oh, well, you're spoiled. Well, the next right? day I was like, oh, I wonder if <laughs> I'm I wonder if I'm spoiled. I wonder mm. if you know he's doing too much for me and then I started feeling kind of uncomfortable mm. and I'm like oh my gosh this is really interesting oh. that this would come up like, like the day, shame or something the day, like yeah like the day yeah. after my mom like do I really deserve this am I getting spoiled like such the, a mom thing yeah the <laughs> day after my mom says this so Wendy is that part of generational yeah. patterns and what would you say to that or how do you overcome that yeah it's a, it's amazing to me how our mind um automatically goes to the negative side of that. Oh, I'm spoiled. That must be something bad. You know, yes, it is due to our patterning and all the messages that we heard growing up. And, you know, that this talk about genes, expression, and epigenetics, you know, we do the things we know. We do the things that we do. And so without questioning those, we're going to repeat those same patterns over and over and over again. Yeah, well, it's so when we consciously and intentionally change the way we live, the way we think, the way we enjoy, rest, move, our genes change the way they express forever changing our lives. 
and each generation that comes after. Yeah, and I think that that's the key. When I, I actually studied epigenetics a couple of years ago, and when I was learning about epigenetics, the thing that was so fascinating to me is is once you change this cycle, it then is that change is passed along to generations. Mm-hmm. And um, during one of my hardest times in my life, I, I looked at a decision or choice that my daughter was making, um, my oldest daughter, and looked at how that was affecting her life and thought, why is she doing that? And then I realized it was actually a learned behavior from me that she was doing. And so I shifted and changed my life. And I think part of it's example. Part of it is obviously your your kids or the generations that come after you are watching your example. But a part of it is actually the gene structure, right? And um, so, so, Wendy, what how much of it is learned behavior? How much of it is, you know, passed down or inherited? I've heard stories of people that say, oh, I'm just, I feel like this is a passed down behavior. Or this is something that my family struggled with for generations. Uh, uh, what's, what's the percentage or what's the difference between a learned behavior and something that's genetically passed down? Or is there a difference? Yeah, I, I think that I'm not sure about any percentages. Um, you know, there are certain things in our DNA that are genetic and that have a hard time being touched by lifestyle, but those are so small and few. You know, most things um, can't, the way our genes express um, is a direct um, indicator of how we're living our life. Mm-hmm. I love the quote by Einstein that says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Right, right. And that's you know, what we do generation after generation after generation until somebody finally wakes up and says, wait a minute, <laughs> I have a choice. I don't have to, I don't have to do things the same way my parents did. I can, you know, make a different choice that is empowering to me and my life and my circumstance. Yeah. So I, mm-hmm. I love that. I want to know, like, what are some of the most common generational patterns? Before we get into that, what, what are some that you picked up or that you feel like were either learned or generational from your family, Rochelle? Just about like, you know, oh, it's so hard to make money or, you mm-hmm. know, everything has to be, you know, um, difficult and, um, you know, I'm always depressed or, you know, oh, don't do this. You don't want to do that. Um, you know, be with the guy that takes care of you. And, you know, it's just like you have to go to school, all of these things to amount to anything. And it's like you have to go to church and um, making money is just it's hard. And it's like, no, it doesn't have to be hard. None of it has to be hard yeah, for that's... me. And so I, I broke the, chi- the cycle already and I'm, I'm, I'm loving it. And then I'm getting to teach my mom and my dad like lessons. And now it's like I'm the teacher for my mom. And yeah. she's we've identified that. So it's pretty cool. Like she's changing her behaviors and her thought patterns. But it's hard from generational from how she was raised too. It was like always a struggle. Yeah. You know? and, and that you bring up a really good point. It's not just the generations after us that we can be example to and that we can affect. It's the generations before us. Yep. It's the generations on both Absolutely. sides. And what's really interesting. So here's here's what something I've noticed in my family. So I come from on my dad's side, a long line of performers, right? Or people that are in the spotlight. So there's a lot of people that stage performers, TV, you know, a lot of a lot of people that were just always like in the public eye. And I've kind of noticed to a degree 
a, a, a cycle of perfectionism and mm. this feeling like people are watching you all the time. You need to act perfect. You need to behave perfect. And, and so that's a cycle that has kind of been passed down. And what's really interesting is I noticed like my oldest daughter was struggling with perfectionism. Mm. And, um, and I kind of tried to change that and did a lot of self-work about 10 years ago. And I noticed my younger kids don't struggle with that as much. But maybe she was at a certain point where now she's, you know, had to work on that and learn that behavior. But, but Wendy, what are the most common patterns that you see, generational patterns that people struggle with? Oh, are you talking to me? Oh, sorry. I was looking at, oh my gosh, we have a guest in studio. Her name's Wendy. Oh my goodness. I was like looking at her and I was like, hey, Wendy, tell me about this. Yes, Kathy, who is our guest on the phone today. Kathy, tell me about your generational power. You're not perfect anymore. That's a good thing. Oh, dang, I've broken my cycle of perfection. And you still, do you still love me? I still love you. Even more, actually. Okay. Because you're not perfect. Thank you so much. I love that. So, so tell me, what are the most yeah, like, so common patterns you see? Just, yeah, mirroring exactly what you and Rochelle both shared with um, perfectionism, for sure, is a big one that comes up to, for me. And I've noticed some of the things in my children as well. And it's, and it's funny that you said, you know, in my older children, I noticed this and I've done so much work to try and change that pattern or change that belief. And in my younger children, I'm noticing they're showing up differently. Yeah. Um, so perfectionism is a big one. Also, you know, I can't, I can't, how, how around money, you know, yeah. I can't make as much money as my father did. Like that would be, you know, not okay. That was a belief mm-hmm. that, um, that I think comes generational. Definitely. Um, money money is a huge, money is a huge generational pattern. That's something I noticed in my oldest daughter too. She, like I had a total scarcity mindset for years and, um, you know, I... I had three and a half children before my my ex-husband even graduated from college and I mean we we had like no money for a long time and and she I had this real scarcity mindset and I noticed she mm-hmm. is my one that worries about money all the, all time, the time consistently yeah. and I've kind of redirected and rechanged that pattern so I noticed my younger kids don't worry about it as much but um, that yeah, that's can, really yeah that can be broken by you have to really work on it and yeah. a good book for that is The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind yeah. by you know T. Harvey Ecker is yeah. the name, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it, you have to work on it because it's it's like no, it doesn't have to be, you yeah. know. It's, and there's so many different ways now to make money, and there's like you know we need 13 streams of income is what Donald Trump says. So yeah, <laughs> I mean there's this is there's so much abundance, like you said, it's it's just abundant. Okay, love that, love that. Yeah. Well, when we come back, I want to hear your tips, Kathy, on how to really uh, break those those negative generational patterns, and also how to maybe repattern people that have already learned, like our older children that we've been talking about. So, when we come back, more with Kathy Hollingshead. I'm Allison Larson. You've been listening to Spotlight. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee 
guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Are you ready to be fabulous? You know, science has proven that women thrive in a tribe together. And now we invite you to join two fierce females, otherwise known as Sheila and Sarah, as they help you take the journey from flat to fabulous. It's fun, terrific stories and wise insight every week. Take better control of your life. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time for Life from Flat to Fabulous on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Create happiness now. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. You're tuned in to Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. To find out more about Allison and our program, please visit soulintuition.com. Again, that's soulintuition.com. Now back to Spotlight. Here is Allison H. Larson. All right, welcome back to Spotlight. I'm Allison H. Larson. We have joining us today Kathy Hollingshead coming to us uh, live all the way from Utah. We have Yay. in studio here today Rochelle Rodriguez, and we have Lori Richens who will be joining us for her, her family first segment. I have to tell you guys, I have like brain mush today. <laughs> <laughs> I have a, another guest listening in studio. It's not that Molly. Kathy, like, Wendy. I'm like typing to my Voice America team, and I'm like, let's skip the next show. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I mean break. So uh, anyway, if I say something really Really weird, You're still Rochelle. On vacation. I'm, I'm, I'm relying on you to keep me on track. But I got yes, you. you're right. I just uh, I had the amazing opportunity to go to Bali for a couple of weeks recently, and would highly recommend if anybody has the opportunity to go there. Wonderful place, uh, opportunity to just heal and travel, and a whole different culture there. I was mm-hmm. totally surprised with how preserved the culture is, how kind the people are, and uh, it was just a really uh, amazing experience. <laughs> but the good news is, is that you can make generational changes wherever you are. You know. <laughs> have to go to Bali to do that. Um, but uh, anyway, really, really excited um, for this. the tips that you're going to share with us. So, Kathy, what are the tips to really redefining your generational patterns? Yeah, so I have five simple steps to uncovering generational um, patterns and redefining them. Mm-hmm. So you'll want to get your pen and your paper out. You're okay. going to take notes of this. So, Number one is to connect with your breath. Have one. Okay. So I like to tell my clients that deep breaths are inspirations. Mm-hmm. Each inhalation is fresh possibility and new perspective and inspiration. Okay. So you can get unstuck in any moment by changing the quality of your breath. Well, this is a really... Inhaling. Sorry, this is a really, I want to say something because this is a really important tip. You know, I taught yoga for years and one of the things I learned through the breath work was you cannot be stressed and focus on your breath at the same time. You cannot be stressed and focus on your breath at the same time. Like, I know that seems like for those of us who know it, we're like, yeah, duh. But I, I, it was such an amazing mind blowing concept to me. So connect with your breath. You have to be, it's more about mindfulness and you're just 
focusing on what you're doing. You know, you're breathing. Yeah. That's all you're doing. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just breathing. So mm-hmm. how? So connect with your breath. And do you have any specific ways for people to do that, Kathy? Yeah. So I love to teach the Ujjayi breath. Those of you who are familiar with the practice of yoga, that mm-hmm. kind of that oceanic breath where it's really rhythmic. Inhaling to the top of the breath, holding mm-hmm. for just a second or two, or two with a slight constriction there in the throat, and then exhaling. So I often like to envision waves coming in and up and then back out. So that's really calming. Or a breath called um, 557 where you're inhaling to a count of five. Then you're ex- or then you're holding for a count of five, and then you're exhaling for a count of seven. So you just kind of get into that rhythmic breath, which is really calming yeah. to the central nervous system. Mm, that's beautiful. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so first step, so connect with your breath. Second step? Connect with your breath. The next one is awareness. Skin, mentally, how am I? Emotionally, how am I? Physically, spiritually, how am I? So research has, show, has shown that there's um, that strong emotions cause changes in the biochemistry of the body. Mm-hmm. So simply said that your biography or your story creates your biology. So ask yourself the question, what is the story that you're identifying yourself with? And is that a wound or an empowering story? So awareness mm-hmm. that your thoughts create your life. They set the ambience for what you experience, what you put out comes back to you. So when you think only negative things, you manifest that. I so love that. as you breathe in, you inhale fresh thought, fresh possibility. Mm-hmm. And as you exhale, you let go of judgment. You let go of the inner critic and thoughts that no longer serve you. So that's, this is the space where we get to resolve and fix the blueprint that's I want to just chime in for a minute because we can change the story that we're Mm -hmm. telling ourselves at any time and when we think of something usually it's 95% of the time we go to the negative so just change the story and our job is always to feel good like feel a little bit better than you're feeling right now and always just vibe higher on that energy so I love what you just said about that Okay, yeah. chills. <laughs> Change the story that Change life story, is hard or right? it's hard to get money it's or like, nobody likes it's me. Not. Yeah. Why not me? Why not you? We can yeah. be, do, or have everything that we want. Yeah, and a lot of and those stories, I think, are stories that have been passed down. Just exactly. like, you know, we learn about folklore or something, and they're passed down from generation to generation. I think there's a lot of stories that can be passed down from generation to generation. So, you know, what mm-hmm. story are you telling yourself that you're also telling your kids? Or what story, you know, did your parents or grandma? parents say that you know they talk to your parents your parents so that's it's, really really yeah, interesting kind of like concept. just you know like oh your dad's a lawyer and you're you have to be a lawyer you know it's like that happens a lot we see that yeah so it's just like i don't know break it so i love that so <laughs> so far you when you're stepping into that place where you don't like the pattern of your life you're realizing you don't like things that how things are going number one just connect with your breath That's easy, simple, Mm -hmm. good step. Number two, become aware. What are these stories or things that you're telling yourself that maybe aren't true? So um, do you have anything else to share with awareness, Kathy? Um, Yeah, that's probably it with awareness. Just really tune into and follow those emotions. You know, Mm -hmm. what, what, what is creating this? What thought am I thinking in this moment that is creating this physiological change in my body? 
Mm-hmm. Well, I'm aware of that. And that's really interesting. This is something that um, I actually just talked to my kids to about last night. My my two youngest kids started school. I mm-hmm. can't believe my baby's in high school now. I can't believe it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I've got, I've got <laughs> only, only two kids <laughs> left in you know, high school. The rest of the other two are that. in wow. college and, <laughs> and higher education. But so, so um, but we decided to share a spiritual thought every night. And the spiritual thought that I wanted to share with them or the inspirational thought was you have the power. Once you recognize it at feeling inside of you, like I want to punch a wall or I want to eat a package of Oreos or whatever it is, is to get curious about that emotion or that feeling so you can become aware. Why do I want to punch the wall? Mm. What am I feeling right now? And why am I feeling it? And it's just as simple as that. You know, I feel like, you know, lying in bed and being depressed all day. Well, why do I feel like lying in bed? You know, what is the emotion? And just putting a name on that emotion to become aware of it. So, um, and and that's, that's so I love that. I love that idea. Hopefully I'm I'm, aware. You know, side of it. To, yeah, she said, "Be aware, become aware." Yeah. Uh-huh. Trying to help that that uh, generational <laughs> pattern there. So, okay, so number two is awareness. Number well, one, connect you, with your breath. You know, with a, uh, yeah, good. with awareness, you you can't change anything unless you're first aware of it. So, yeah. and you can't become aware of it unless you intentionally get quiet and allow those things to start to emerge. Oh, but that's and that's so why hard. journaling. Well, no, that's why journaling is so important because yeah. things come out when you're just writing free flow, like yeah. which is your next step, right, I believe. <laughs> well, so and, that's the next step. Right. So step number three is journaling. Like I said before, with more curiosity than judgment. Mm-hmm. So you know free, that free, free flow writing is so important, and then just to get curious about about what it is that's coming up, you know, and ask yourself that or, you know, just comment on that. That's interesting that, you know, whatever came out oh, and just getting really um, thoughtful mm-hmm. and curious about where did that come from? Mm-hmm. What yeah. is the belief behind that? How is that showing up in my life? So number three is just to set time aside intentionally to follow your emotions and journal and um, kind of reflect on when was the first time I felt this feeling or sensation? What, oh, what, what is it attached to? Well, it's so interesting, too, because sometimes when I journal, I find that it's different than I think. So it's actually, it's mm-hmm. funny. I went through this exact you stop process. stop your thoughts. You're, yeah. you're like, no, that's not okay. Well, <laughs> I, well, and here's what happened. I went through this exact process yesterday. Yesterday, I was feeling, I just like in the middle of the day, I started feeling angry and frustrated and sad and then almost depressed to the point where I'm like, I don't even want to do anything. I'm like, why am I feeling this way? Mm. And I thought maybe it was a certain thing that was bothering me. I even began to have a conversation with a friend of mine. And then I said, well, hold on, I'm... I, I just want to do some journaling about this and get this sorted out. When I did my journaling, it was actually something completely different that was bothering me than what I thought was bothering me mm. when I got to the root of the issue. But once I recognized that, it was actually such a relief to me to be able to recognize that because then I was like, had this awareness so I could start doing something about it. So journaling is really, I, I just want to say, is really, really important um, to sorting for me to sorting out those emotions. So I, I love that this process that you're taking. Yeah, us through. It's a big release too for yourself for yeah. you just for yeah. healing for healing and you know. Yeah, for sure. So, um, okay, Kathy, do you need to get that phone? I yeah, phone somebody's phone ringing. <laughs> <laughs> like it. It's not mine. Do you, do you need to get that? No. <laughs> um, uh, so so okay. So we've got 
first of all, when you're feeling stressed, when you're noticing the, the pattern of your life, you don't like how your pattern's going, number one, step into that breath. Just be conscious of your breath. Number two, become aware of what you're feeling. Number three, journal about it with more curiosity than judgment. I love how you said that, more mm -hmm. curiosity than judgment. And then um, step into this, you know, kind of almost third person of, well, that's interesting that I'm feeling this way. And I like that too, because for those of us who are perfectionists and beat ourselves up, my initial response is to say, well, I'm so stupid for thinking that, or I can't believe I did that, or, you know, I'm such an idiot, or I need to do better. But to step into this place of, well, that's interesting that mm -hmm. I'm feeling angry right now almost um, makes it more so that I can be accepting of myself in, instead of critical of myself. So I like that. What's the next step, Kathy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so step number four is um, it, it, do some mental rehearsal, some visioneering, some affirmations. So, you know, decide what it is that you want. Decide what's mm -hmm. not working and what it is you'd like instead. And begin to practice that, that visioneering, or I call it a mental rehearsal, putting yourself in that situation, seeing it as if it were already happening right now. And then implanting into your brain, you know, some really great affirmations. You know, I accept myself just as I am. I love myself deeply and unconditionally. I'm beautiful. I'm enough. I'm blessed. Whatever that is for you. And the I um, am is very important, ahead. too. I am. Yeah. I do this all yeah. the time. Vision, just just a picture of myself in the situation that I want. Like, it's already here, and it's now. And it just it feels good. I can almost, like, feel that situation and that yeah. person around me. You know, it just... It's it's really important because if you don't know where you're going, you know where where are you going? Yeah, <laughs> if you're not picturing right. that you and saying well, good <laughs> things to yourself, then you know 95% of the negative will come in. So yeah, and so intention important. intention fuels intention. intuition. So when you have an intention, exactly. when you have a goal, when you have a plan, you can intuitively be led towards that. So I really mm -hmm. yeah, I really love love that um, idea of envisioning what you want. Picture yourself there. One of my favorite motivational speakers is actually Esther Hicks, um, sometimes referred to as Abraham Hicks. Yes. For those of you who know the story, you know, you know the, the background behind that. I don't have time to go into that now. But, but one of the things that she talks about is be the vibrational frequency of what you want. Don't think about what you don't have. Be or step into that vibrational frequency of what you want. I think that's kind of what you're talking about, Kathy, is, is if you can't imagine feeling uh, wealthy, you'll never feel wealthy. If you can't picture yourself as successful, you'll never be successful. So it's it's imagining that and picturing that and stepping into that frequency. So what's the fifth step? Yeah, so then the, the last step, the fifth step is take action. Mm -hmm. So whether that means getting help and support, hiring a coach or a mentor, or mm. and surrounding yourself with empowering people who inspire you. Yeah, take action. And this is yeah. such a crucial step. Okay, I'm going to go on a little rant here, <laughs> just a little one, because we've got Lori Richens with our Family First segment. I love to hear her, her advice and her to weigh in on this. But here's my little rant. Vision boards do not work. Okay, they do not work just by themselves. And uh -huh. here's here's why. If you just sit there and stare at your vision board all day, all you're doing is looking at things you don't have. You have to be willing to act. That's when vision boards work. It's not the vision board that works. It's the action that works. So if you want to use a vision board to inspire your action, that's great. But I know so many people that have vision boards that sit on their wall and they never get anything off of it. You know why? It's because yeah, they so never true. take the action. And then I know people that have vision boards and they're like, oh my gosh, I got everything off of my vision board. Well, how did you do that? You actually acted on things, right? So it's it's that action step. I mean, what's the difference between a good book and a life-changing book or a good workshop and a life-changing workshop or, you know, a good vision board or a life-changing vision board? It's 
action and it comes down to that personal responsibility. So there's so many people that stay in that little cesspool of awareness. Oh, I'm broken. Oh, I've struggled. And my family taught me this. And I've had, you know, perfectionism for, you know, decades in my family or centuries. And that's why I'm the way I am. And I'm so, you know, such a victim of these generational patterns. And it's like, okay, fine. Now that you've had that awareness, what are you going to do about it? And, you know, it's also so important to hang around with the right people. Like, I know you mentioned that. It's, it's who do you hang around with? Are they empowering you to be more, do more, have more? Or are they just saying, you know, oh, you don't want to do that. I mean, and that's some, my mom, like, I love her, but she was somebody that I had to, like, cut ties with for a little while because it was like, you know, she was weighing me down. And it was like, you know, I now she looks at me and goes, wow, you did it. And I'm like, yes. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's really, really important when you're looking at that generational. Sometimes yeah. you need to just pull away from it and do what's right for you so you can be the evidence. <laughs> Yeah. Well, one else. thing that my mom Absolutely. says that um, has totally inspired me is, is she says, you know, Allison, just remember that, you know, do a little bit better than we did as parents. And mm. hopefully your kids will do a little bit better yeah. than you did. And, you know, so it's, it's just also that recognition and that forgiveness that your parents did the best that they could. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. your grandparents did the Absolutely. best that they could. You're doing the best yeah. that you can. And yep. if there's an awareness, it's not this blame game. It's not no, this, you not made me this way. You taught me this. It's like, and I, when my mom said that to me, it was such a beautiful message for me just knowing and for her giving me permission of like, you know what, Allison, I probably haven't been perfect. And I hope you do recognize that and you do learn from me. And my hope is that you'll you'll be better than I was. And um, so that was such, such, a, such a beautiful permission. So speaking yeah. of mothers and parents and families, we have joining us our special guest today, Lori Richens, who does our Family First segment. And Lori, I would love for you to share some thoughts on uh, family and for you to weigh in on this issue of uh, generational patterns and clearance. Now, Lori really has an interesting backstory because she has done a ton of work on this. Uh, she came from a very uh, broken family model that caused her some major issues um, throughout her lifetime. And when she was able to break that cycle and that pattern is when she was able to really move forward and experience success in her life. So, Lori, are you here? I'm here. Oh, great. Well, so excited to have you joining us today. So um, we'd love for you to uh, go ahead with your segment and to weigh in on generational patterns, too. So, Lori, take it away. I loved what the topic was, and I've really enjoyed your comments thus far. And I, um, Allison, you and I both attended a, a beautiful wedding down in California this mm-hmm. last week. And uh, on our way down to California, on our way down to Dana Point, my husband and I were traveling together with our two children. We have seven, and we had two of us, two of them with us. And we decided to stop at the Redwood Forest. And perhaps you've been there. Have you been to the Redwood Forest before, Allison? I have not. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, it's incredible. So there are multiple parts, but we purposely chose this one particular park, which had a tree called the father of the forest and a tree called the mother of the forest. And because I'm an advocate of the family, I was really intrigued by this. So the father of the forest, we stopped by and took some pictures, was approximately 1,800 years old. Can you imagine that, having a tree that old? Oh, my goodness. And that's why they called it the father of the forest. Mm -hmm. But the mother of the forest was actually the tallest tree in the forest. And it recently was had a a part of the top broken off, and hopefully it'll kind of ascend 
to the highest place again, but these two trees were revered. Now, on our way out of the forest, I did a little research and did some reading and found out that even though these trees are hundreds of feet tall, their roots are only six to ten feet deep. And so how can these trees live 1,800 years and go hundreds of feet tall without toppling? Yeah. Well, they discovered that their roots actually extend out as far as they go high. Now, that's the key. They're not very deep, but they intertwine with the other trees around them. So I want to share two different stories of a family function that was very favorable, and then one that's a story of my own that really showed what not to do, because it's important for us to examine both. So my um, 19-year-old son was serving a, a mission for our church in Boston while we were in California, and we received a phone call saying that he was having an emergency departure and being sent home because he had a concussion that he wasn't recovering from. So because I was in California at this wedding that you were at, Allison, we couldn't immediately depart and get back home. So my other son who lives in the Boise area picked him up at the airport with with um, his wife and children. But this is the beautiful thing. My daughter-in-law was staying in um, a town about four hours from Boise. And when she found out that her brother-in-law was coming, it was her mother that said, let's go on a road trip. And so they took a four hours where my, mo- my daughter-in-law's mother, my daughter-in-law and their two children drove four hours one way just to be at the airport when my son arrived off the airplane. Wow. Now that was a powerful moment. They had signs. They uh. wanted to make sure that he felt welcomed and loved. That is how a family should function. That is how family roots go down and they spread far. Because not only did my daughter-in-law become involved, her mother became involved and made that happen. So we as parents could not be there, but we had a backup system that runs deep and far to make sure that our family needs are met. That's how it's supposed to work. That's how we remain tall. That's how we grow without bending or breaking. And so that was a really beautiful witness of how a family should function. Now, now I'm going to share a story about something that happened when I was a young girl. And this isn't a very pleasant topic, but we're talking about generational behavior that needs to change. When I was a young girl, there was a man, an older man, who lived um, not far from us, and I had a situation where I was alone with him in a, a space privately, and he made sexual advances to me. Perhaps some of you who are listening have had that happen. Well, I ended up telling my mother what had occurred, and I never heard anything more about it. Now, what's interesting is I forgot. I literally blocked out in my mind that I had told my mother because... In my little girl mind, I couldn't believe that I had told my mother and nothing was done about it. So I actually blocked out that whole experience that I had even told her. So some years later, I brought it up and she said, yeah, honey, you already told me about that. And I said, no, I didn't. She said, oh, yes, you did. And what I realized was I couldn't accept the fact that I told my mother this devastating thing had happened and I couldn't. And I didn't experience what it was like to be protected. I didn't experience what it was like to be rallied behind. And so I had to block that. I told her because I thought if, if she had known, she would have done more. Now, what's interesting, what I found out with, 
when when I told her, this is what she said. She said, oh, honey, all men are like that. Hmm. Now think about that. Think about what her life experiences must have been if her daughter said, this man made a sexual advances to me, and she said, all men are like that. Hmm. Then think of the generational impact that that has had on her mind to believe that, that that's just what occurs and that there aren't safe men out there. So um, I want to give three tips about what we can do if something like that happens, the kind of support that a child needs. Because my story ended up being, I am not protected. Mm -hmm. I'm not adequately supported. I'm not heard, understood, or of value. And, you know, this Me Too movement is really substantial right now. And uh, I feel like it's a time when women are really expressing their voice regarding what's not acceptable anymore. And so... This is what should have happened. This is how those roots should reach far and wide and make sure that we have the stability we need to keep ascending as high as we possibly can in life. Isn't that our intention? We want our children to do better than we did, right? Right. Allison, that's what you said, right? Right. Your mom said. So this is what I should have experienced. I should have felt my mother's indignation. And I should have felt her protective instincts rise up in my behalf. It's not how you'd feel for your children. Yeah. Right? Yes. The second thing I should have felt, or I should have actually witnessed um, this man being held accountable for what he had done. I should have seen something go into action which showed that I was so important that this is what I'm willing to do as a parent to make sure that my child is protected. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I should have seen or experienced is I should have had my mother come to me and say, now, honey, are you okay? Is there anything else you need? Those are three very, very important things as far as our ability to network out and to stretch those roots deep and wide and make sure that the next generations are strong. We need to have that understanding that our value is so clear that our parents are willing to rise up in our defense, that we are able to witness them doing what is necessary to show how important we are, and also that they are willing to follow up and make sure that we are okay. So having said that, it takes one generation to change it. And that's what I do now for my children because I didn't receive that myself. And my mother has wounds and she wasn't able to pass that experience on to me. I had to relearn how to do that for my family. And not only did I do that for my children, but my children married well, whose in-laws are now doing that for them as well. Mm-hmm. So you want your children to choose well their spouses and have families that come in and also give them that attitude support. So that's my message today. We can change that in one generation, but we have to identify the dysfunction and we have to find a better way. And there's a lot to learn about the mother and the father of the forest and the redwoods. And wherever you go, there are life lessons that we can gain. So it's important that we stay aware of that. Yeah, I love that. And there's actually been times where my children have gotten uh, upset at me because they have said, well, Mom, we, we just want you to defend us more, to help us more, to be more empathetic towards us. And I think one of my challenges is that I tend to look at you know the situation and tend to have compassion on everybody in the situation and um and and my kids are like you know what sometimes mom we don't want you to have compassion on the other person we just want you to <laughs> to validate us and my daughter's in the studio she here today helping she's like me she's nodding. nodding her head so i, I have a question i'm going to be selfish here for a minute and it really just no, does need to be brief because um 
want to wrap up our show here in the next few minutes, but I want to ask a question. I, I want Kathy to weigh in on this just briefly. Lori, I'd love for you to weigh in on this. And then, Michelle, I'd love for your thoughts on this. One of the things that I'm struggling with personally, and maybe somebody else has had this happen in their family, but I, I feel like I kind of played this family role for a while. I'm the oldest child. I was the one who always reached out to my siblings, who always you know, kept those ties and connections really strong and, and wide in my family. And then recently, over the past few years, I went through a period where I was really struggling and I was not in a position um, where I, I I felt like I could reach out to them a lot and I didn't. And um, But nobody reached out to me. And that's something that I really struggle with now. I find myself not having uh, the family relationships I want to. I did have one brother come in and actually moved here to Arizona. And I remember just, you know, crying when he, he came and he just said, Allison, I want to hear more about what's going on with you. And, and I just told him and he just had so much compassion. And I've been able to, to kind of build back that relationship with him. But some of my other siblings, I'm still struggling um, right now. And I don't know how to, to change that or redefine that. I feel like I have some hurt because I felt like, you know, I was always there when, when they needed someone and then I needed someone and no one reached out to me. And I find myself in this state place of victimhood and and I don't want to pass that generational pattern along. I think part of that just comes from maybe the generational patterns of, of our family not talking about things. But um, but I'd love for you, Kathy, first to weigh in on that. I mean, how would you handle that situation or what advice would you give me about fixing those those generational patterns or those relationships in my family? Yeah, so, you know, you get to be responsible for your half of each relationship Mm -hmm. and show up in a way that is um, pleasing to you. Unfortunately, we can't dictate the way others show up in our lives or treat us. So you get to be really honest and real about how their actions um, are affecting you on your side of it. And you get to release that and let them decide then what they want to do with it. So, so you can find peace within yourself. So maybe just coming to the to, to peace within myself, but then reaching out to my siblings and maybe saying, hey, you know what? I really would like to, to have a better relationship with you. And I feel hurt because I've been really struggling over the past few years and felt like you didn't reach out to me. Or how, how would you navigate that situation? Yeah, so there's a part of you that needs to be heard. There's a part of you that wants to be seen and wants to be validated from these people in your life, these people that you love. And... I think it is completely within your boundaries to to be able to voice that in a loving, compassionate way and then empower them to do with that what they will. I love that. You really don't have any control about, you know, how they're going to show up from that point on, but at least you've said your piece. Hmm. Thank you so much. You know, when we show up, um, you know, non-harming, the first um, two of the yamas are... Ahimsa, not non-harming, mm-hmm. and then Satya, truthfulness. So how can you go to them incorporating those two principles? How can you go to them uh, in a non-harming way and still speak your truth? Yeah, that's powerful. And just as you said that, you know, I felt the emotions coming up of of me feeling like, yeah, part of me just does want to be heard and validated. I feel um, feel like I wasn't validated in that. And and sometimes I think it's scary for us to think about things. And I never want to, you know, play the victim or point fingers. But I think you're right. I think part of having healthy relationships is feeling like you can be heard. Lori, what are your thoughts on this? 
So one of the best ways when you're trying to mend a relationship is you want to make sure not to focus on yourself in the conversation because when you make it about you, then the other person can still start feeling as if um, they're not important. And so what I would suggest in that situation is to make sure to make it very clear at the very beginning, you are so valuable to me, you're important in my life, and I still want to maintain and have some form of, of conversation and some form of interaction with you because I just don't feel complete um, if you're not in, involved in my life on some level. It's Once they feel like you value them, that's one of the very first steps to moving towards a, a healthier relationship. But I had a situation not long ago where um, I have a sister who I love dearly. She's very, very, um, just a powerful, powerful person, but she's still very uh, part of the system, very much a part of the dysfunction of my family system. And a couple of different times, she's become very aggressive and she's attacked me and made ag- accusations towards me. That happens sometimes, you know, when you move on and um, judgments end up being made. And this is how I always know when it's time when I can step in. Number one, I didn't make it about me and I didn't become defensive. And number two, I waited for a question. Mm. So when the other person asks a question like, why did you do this? Or why are you doing this? Or I don't understand why this has unfolded the way it did. Could you tell me more? As soon as that other person starts asking questions, then you have a door to step through and you know that they're genuinely interested in the answer. If they're still in accusation mode, the progress is going to be minimal. Mm-hmm. So make it about mm-hmm. the other person. Even though you really yearn to have that relationship healed, you want to make sure they understand, they feel valuable. And then also wait for them to ask questions so that you can then step through that and start giving important answers that will help your relationship. Yeah. Well, I think that's very valuable. And recently in a conversation with my sister-in-law, who I used to be quite close to, and then again, can kind of let that, that relationship slip a little bit. She, in asking questions and being concerned about me, found out things and I was able to talk to her about things. And she had a whole different perception of what I was going through than what was actually happening. And so it was really valuable for her to ask those questions. Um, Rochelle, what are your, your final thoughts on this? We've got about just 30 seconds, but what uh, are your thoughts? My mom had the same situation go um she was the oldest child and she gave and she gave and she gave and I think it's really about perception because um today she she doesn't it's really sad it was like weighing on my heart when you were talking because she doesn't even have a relationship with her with her brother and her sister she was really really close with her sister and now her brother doesn't even want anything to do with her and you know I've been working with my mom a lot on this so I would recommend to journal like we were talking about and just find out what is the little girl inside of you need that you didn't get when you were a sibling um, before and then give that to yourself um, <laughs> for hi, they're taking pictures first and foremost and take care of those wounds on your own with yourself and then I, I love what what the girl said about you know just going directly to them and saying you know what's going on in your life and I'd love to you know hear get more about you hear more about you and, and and try to rekindle it that way but take care of the wounds that that are maybe still there surfacing from what you didn't get in your relationships with them yeah. early on. Well, and, and that's such helpful advice. Yes. And I love, I love this. I feel like I'm using my radio show as my personal <laughs> counseling. <laughs> we can session. keep going. On Let's this. keep going. I know. Um, but no, I really, really appreciate that. And I think you know anybody who's listening can see the value of really identifying and be able to clear those generational patterns. And um, for those of you who are interested in that, of course, you can get a hold of, of Lori Richens if you have 
particular questions about your family and strengthening your family, connect with her on Facebook. Rochelle Rodriguez is wonderful. At, her mission is to empower women, and she's uh, doing that through both Arbonne and then personal um, things that she's doing. And Kathy, I would love for you to uh, let viewers know how they can get a hold of you. I know you've got a special special gift for our viewers who are struggling with generational patterns. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd like to offer um, a gift to everybody listening today. Um, and what I'd like to offer is access to three guided meditations and also an opportunity to hop on a call with me. Um, if you're interested in learning more about the work I do um, to recognize generational patterns that are keeping you stuck, if you're ready to create abundance, peace, and clarity to create the life you deserve and desire, um, go ahead and pull out your phone now and text Life Redesigner to 801. 505-2181. Say that number one more time. Go ahead. So text Life Redesigner to 801-505-2181. Okay. So 801-505. What are the last four digits again? 2181. Okay, thank you so much. Hopefully you all take uh, advantage of that opportunity. And I think if we all are honest with ourselves and look uh, look deep enough, we can all uh, use help in clearing some of those generational patterns. I'm Allison H. Larson. You've been joining me and special co-host Rochelle Rodriguez today. Um, beautiful uh, special guest Lori Richens, who is uh, does our Family First segment, and also uh, our featured guest Colin at uh, Kathy Hollingsworth. Hopefully you got some amazing information and tips to about generational clearing if there's one thing that i would take away from this is it's easier than you think uh, join us next week on spotlight the allison h larson show for more people who have uh, changed their life and transformed their lives and are now working to transform the lives of others uh, see you hear from you next time bye thank you for making us a part of your week Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show, can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go make a difference and be sure to tune in again for the next show.